What's up, guys? This is Rob Pearsall, and you are listening to the Mets Legends Cast, co-hosted by Alex Carigliano Michelli. Alex, how are you doing today, buddy? Doing well, Rob. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah, I'm always better after after a win, especially against the Yankees. Uh, got to get some light. Uh, I'm gonna say the S word, talking at people at my job. The S word. The S word talking. I got some good silly talking. Some like some pointed silly talking at some of my uh, some colleagues at work. So. You know, good good vibes all around. How you doing, Robbie? I'm great. It was a beautiful day today. I was in the boogie down Bronx all day. Whoa, me sun- too. I know, dude. We were really close to each other at one point. Whoa. I was thinking about you, and I was by Yankee Stadium. Not because you remind me of the Yankees, but because I know that that area is familiar to you. So. Oh, yeah. But I'm good. I went for a nice little walk with one of my friends late this afternoon and got dinner and it was very lovely and now I'm home and I'm having a lovely time with you. We had a really great Twitter space last night. Thank you guys for everyone that joined. That was a really fun thing. I meant I meant to break that up into two separate thoughts, but it came out as one. Like I went to say, thank you for all who joined that. That was a really fun thing, but it kind of just ended up being one long sentence. You just hyphenated so. everything, yeah. Listen, I'm trying to save time, you know? I, I, I got places to be and people to see. But yeah. no, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. The Mets won, as you were saying, against the Yankees to split the Subway Series. It was not their finest effort. They no. made a lot of mistakes. They made a lot of goofs, a lot of gaffes. But at the end of the day, a win is a win in the win column, and that is that. And like you said, beating the Yankees always feels good. It feels good for bragging rights. It feels good that at least they split the the, the two game series. I personally miss the three game series. I miss yes. that they used to both play each other three games at City Field and at Yankee Stadium. I don't know why they deprive us of that now. Especially, yeah. you'd think that it's so easy to market, right? Like, why why are you consolidating it? No, I I I one hundred percent miss, especially because we have so many like four game series now too, uh, and those are always such a drag. Uh, I missed the three-game series. It feels like they split every single year. It, it, did the Mets demand the uh, two-game series? Because I just I feel like all, all all the Mets do, all the Mets and Yankees do nowadays is is split, is split the season series. Yeah, and and you and I were having this debate last night of, and we could talk about it a little bit later. But you'd think from like an MLB standpoint, at least it's easy to market the Mets versus the Yankees, the the Subway Series rematch. It's it's the most local matchup that you can get. Fans can go to both games, or both series, rather, at, at each stadium. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't really feel any kind of rivalry with the Yankees at this point. I mean, the games are fun, and, and I, I wish that there was more of them, just because two-game series seem like a little bit of a cop-out. Uh, like, it's already over. We it was it was the Mets were off Monday. They had the quick two game series. Now they're off again on the day that we're recording, which is Thursday. I don't know. It just it, I feel like there's more at stake, at least in regards to bragging rights when there's a three game series. But I don't know. My main rivalry is with is was is as a Mets fan is is the is the Braves. And we were talking about this a little bit last night in our Twitter space. Make sure that you guys join our next one. It was it was really great. And uh, but yeah, I don't know, Alex. Um, I guess we'll just go right into that topic then, unless you had anything to add to the the Yankee Mets discourse. But who do you view as the Mets' biggest rival generally? 
No, number number one is the Braves. Uh, it, there's just so much more implication in a loss to the Braves. Um, I feel like with the interconnectedness that Twitter has brought now too, suddenly I'm interacting or just seeing the thoughts. And maybe that's what it is too, because I know definitely when I was younger, it felt way more like the Yankees were my, were my nemesis. Uh, it was the Yankee fans when I was a kid who were kind of the biggest jerks. I had this one dude, Blake, Hope you're in hell right now, Blake, uh, who <laughs> used to give me a lot of <clears throat> used to give me a lot of shit in gym class, um, and it was he was the most annoying, stupid elf. And That's really the place to give people shit is gym class, I think. Oh my gosh, yeah, no, it was, and especially when the our our gym teachers were bullies too. Those guys were absolute jerks. Uh, all the gym teachers I've met since. Really sweet people. But, um, yeah, you know, having that interaction, having the Yankees being so much better. Because also, like, when we were kids, too, the the glory days of the Yankees were still very recent. They won the World Series in 2009. And then all they did is win the World Series and dominate when we were little kids. So it was bigger then. And I didn't interact with any Braves fans. I don't know any – did you know any, like, Braves fans when you were a kid? If you did, I'm sure it was, like, one or two. But now I have to actually interact with them on Twitter when, you know, when there's, like, a huge series. And then all they do is take out, you know, take out the Mets's like, little, little heinies out of their pants and spank them around a little bit. And I'm – quite frankly, I'm tired of that. So yeah, yeah, I think the, that, the, the I think big that arrival. It's, it's definitely more magnified that we have Twitter when we didn't have it as a kid. But also, I, I think just generally, I mean, especially with this Subway Series, jo- Aaron Judge was out, Pete Alonso was out. So the two guys that are the most marketable didn't even play. The Yankees have have a banged up outfield. I mean, I, I think game one, their outfield was like Jake Bowers, Isaiah Kiner, Falefa, and like Billy McKinney. Billy McKinney, yeah, you know, and so, and then the other day Willie Calhoun, yeah, and so, so it's not really like what we're accustomed to. I mean, we'll see what happens in September. Maybe the Mets will be in it. The Yankees maybe will be fighting for the the, the division or the wild card, whatever, whatever it is. You never know what could happen over the next several months. But uh, the Mets have to play the Braves in more important matchups. And I, I, I called back to last season, the last series where it really came down to the division that, that three game series in Atlanta where the Mets needed to at least take one game. If they took one game, they, they would have won the division and they couldn't even do that. So I think when there's just more at stake like that, that makes the rivalry more apparent. Even when the Mets were in 2015, when the nationals were and the Mets were duking it out for first place and the Mets really showed up big and they played, the Nationals really tough in those those late season series. That that's a rivalry to me, um, and I think that beyond just like the Francisco Lindor home run in twenty twenty one on the anniversary of nine eleven, like the Mets and Yankees thing hasn't been a hasn't been a real rivalry for the last like fourteen years, fifteen years, not since we were younger at least. You know, like like it just I don't know. They're fun games, but they're not they're not rivalries to me. I, truthfully, I, like. I like when the Mets beat the Yankees, but I don't care what the Yankees do a large majority of the time. It, do, it doesn't matter to me. You know, I don't root for them to lose on a daily basis. Yeah, I'm with you on that too, uh, especially because 
Once again, I think when we were kids, there was so much more of that like annoying Big Brother vibe, especially with the core four. They were just so much more successful. And the Yankees just never had that. They don't have like that George Steinbrenner edge. Truthfully, and I've said this a lot of times, they're not actually trying to win World Series anymore. They just care about long-term sustainability because they know that a winning team, no matter what, is going to sell out. And they're going to continue doing that. But they've shown with the lack of kind of all-in moves that the main, the number one goal despite what Yankee fans think, is not to win a World Series. I don't really care what they're doing. They, yeah, they're not just like on my radar as much. There's like a little part of me that will always be, I see that they lose and I go, hmm. But once again, my the, my biggest proximity is the fact that I work in the Bronx. And so the only thing I looked forward to yesterday and today was just a little smack talk with uh, with my friend, the dance teacher, wearing her Yankee hat and wearing my Met hat. We're the only ones that actually care. And then that's it. And then if uh, you know, once I'm no longer working in the Bronx, I'm not going to care at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. But the Mets won the game against the Yankees. To I, I'd, rather, I'd always rather win the second game. If you're going to split like a two-game series like that, it always feels good to, to win the second game, at least, to come back and win. But... That kind of win the Mets scrapped out was kind of reminiscent of last year. I, I mean, apart from the bet, the the sloppy play throughout the game, that kind of win that they scratched out was was very similar to games that the Mets won last year. You know that grittiness that the Mets have lacked so far this year. So my question to you, Alex, is: Is this the game that could turn the Mets' fortunes around, or are they not out of the woods quite yet? I don't know, it's so hard to say. I really thought that second game in the Pirates series was going to be the game that got the Mets right. And then they lost the next two games. So who knows? I mean, if it was a cleaner win or a more dominant win or yeah, or just a clean win that, that ends with the walk-off but doesn't have that messy like seventh and eighth, then I, I'd feel more confident speaking with my chest and saying that, yes, this is turning our fortunes around. Verlander rebounded. It's everything we need. But there was the Brennan Nimmo uh, base running mistake, which honestly, I don't blame him so much for. It was a weird no call on the uh, on, on the third base coach not to send the lead runner, who was it, Vientos, not to send him home. Um <clears throat> But, you know, I guess it was a closer game at the time. But I think you, you got to go for it there. And Nimmo just wasn't anticipating that. And also, you know, between you and me and everyone who watched and saw the replays, he was safe. So there's that. Um, and But what really bothered me was that steal of home from kind of Falefa. Really didn't look at him. Escobar didn't try to get his attention. It, it looks like, uh, I've seen a few replays of it now, it looks like that once Rayleigh realized as he was in his motion uh, that he was running, that Rayleigh might have tried to throw at the batter because if he hits him, that's a dead play and he can't steal home. So I feel like he tried to pivot to that, which I guess is the right move, but it was so messy all around and it should have never looked like that. And that's when I was really like, get this game off. And so thank goodness that Nimmo turned it around with that last great hit, uh, which he might have even been fortunate on because, you know, the, they were playing their B outfield and they were playing pretty shallow too. Everyone misread it. He hardly feels like uh, Bowers didn't run after the ball and then Nimmo wasn't charging out of the gate and it, it still wound up being a close play at the end. Um, but, you know, a win's a win vibe. So may, maybe it's the thing that changes it. Uh, 
surely on this day off, maybe they talk about it and say, you know, let's clean it up, but let's use this, yada, yada. But I don't know. I wish I was more confident right now. Well, I think that it's just like it's been very one step forward, two steps back for the Mets this year. And until they can prove that they can build on this and they could win a couple more series, then maybe I'll be confident. I think for now they're they need to have small victories. So they need to have it's like yes, you celebrate this game. That's a that's a good slight moral boost, right? Now you need to go out, you need to win the next series. That's your next small victory to accomplish. Then it's getting back to 500. Then when you get back to 500, maybe you can reset a little bit. You know, the monkey's kind of off your back. You don't have to worry about chasing that that, you know, that that, that dangling carrot in the wind. Um so I think that those are the next things that they need they need to do. You know, it's go out there, win this series this weekend, then after that get back to five hundred and then see what happens. The thing is, the Mets are probably not gonna win the division this year unless they go on some torrid pace like the Braves did last year. But truthfully, I just don't think that they're as talented as the Braves were last year. You know, I don't think that that's in the cards, but you never really know. I mean, maybe the Mets swing a deal for a big slugger or someone that comes in and ignites a flame underneath them, and maybe they do go on a tear like that. That's not impossible, but I think that the Mets are better off focusing on getting a wild card spot because those are more attainable. And that's okay. I mean, the Phillies went to the World Series last year being a wild card team and so am i expecting the Mets to make the world series it's too early to tell i mean at this point i'd say no but you never know what could happen so you got to take it day by day i'm not ready to say that last night's game or wednesday night's game rather is going to be the thing that 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 all of a sudden turns their fortunes around but i think it's it's a decent starting place and after that just go out and win series for now focus on that one series at a time yeah, those are those are very valid points. Sound spoken like a coach, you know. Value the little things, small victories. You can't have a winning streak until you win the next game, you know. So that's definitely a very, uh, very strong point. Uh, yeah. But yeah, man. So I mean, I think beyond that, though, I mean, the question is, if the Mets don't turn their fortunes around and they continue on the path that they do. Or they have been rather. Does Buck Showalter keep his job? Does he does he last through the season? Does he get canned? Is he back for twenty twenty four? What's the what's what's the 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 temperature on Buck right now? I don't want to say his seat is hot. Um, I think I think Buck has too much history, respect, and credibility, not just in in his own team but across the league, for that to happen. But something's got to give. Um, I don't think Buck is back next year. I think he gets to they get to announce like a mutual parting of the ways, or that he gets to announce his retirement from management and that and a move to the front office. Uh, you know, just like Terry Collins or something, he could be like minor league coordinator or something. Because if there's one thing that Buck does is he creates foundations and he creates professionalism. Buck won manager of the year. You know, like in every other stop in, uh, on his other teams. And usually they start winning after he leaves. Now, they don't start winning after he leaves because he was so ineffective that they get rid of him and it's like a huge monkey off the back. No, he turns them into professionals and they develop and they develop. And then he leaves and they, they reach their peaks 
and they have a management who's better with the X's and O's. He's all about foundation, professionalism, knowing what to do in situational awareness. But I don't think he's the lineup guy. I don't think he's he has the um, the fire to create like a, an ultra competitive team. I think you need a younger manager these days. I mean, look at the Phillies last year when they get rid of Girardi and everyone's like, that's not going to change anything. And then Rob Thompson <laughs> gets them to the World Series. I think that had something to do with it. I think Buck gets to go out on his terms, but I don't see him being fired midseason. He has too much respect. I do, and I don't think Billy um, Epler, I don't think that happens to him either, but I also don't think he's in charge next year. Um, we'll see what happens with like Stearns or whomever else. My big thing to look at is some type of soft sell, like a like a midseason reboot, like what the Yankees did in I want to say 2015. Um, might have been 2016, but I think it was 20. It might have been 2016 when they yeah it was 2016 because that's when they traded away Chapman and got Glaber Torres and. Um, they traded Andrew Miller, I think, to the Guardians. Oh my God, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about the Miller part of that. Yeah, I mean, there is, and it was like one of the most shrewd uh, mid-season uh, just summers that like any like really front office had ever had. I think you know, Cashman ruins it by not going after Verlander the next year, but. I mean, like what they were able to do and rebuild on the fly and stay competitive till the till the end was incredible. And the Mets don't quite have the resources that the Yankees were able to do, but they could probably trade Robertson away again, maybe even Adovino. And I know that really like short in Japan, but I think there are some interesting guys in AAA still like Lavender and others. And, you know... I think what they need to do is they need to look for more depth pitching. Not not just depth pitching, but high upside guys who are maybe still a year away from breaking into the bigs. Like aim for 2024 and beyond. And I think there's guys like Canna, Fam is probably very desirable right now. Um, even Vogelback, if he could rebound at all. Escobar, um, you know, he has... he he Like a lot of these guys have some value like you're not going to trade package those guys for her um you know an ace but you could package them for perhaps a future ace um i i don't think that's the worst thing in the world i don't think it'll be waving the white flag um you still have scherzer and verlander and senga and the elite yeah, I want to say elite. The elite core that the Mets have. They still have um, Alvarez, who looks like one of the best hitters in the game, or you know, will be. Uh, I think that's the move. It just stinks having to have a $400 million payroll and for it to just not pan out really at all, at least to this point. Um, and I think it just goes to show, right, like you need to have this balance of building up, being able to build a farm system and – I think where the Mets have gone wrong, at least, is since Steve Cohen, I always kind of view it as like when Steve Cohen took over the team, the clock reset, right? So like the the Jared Kellenic deal, like all that stuff, like leave it in the past, right? It's it's Brody Van Wagen and it's the Will Ponds, whatever it is, right? Since Steve Cohen took over, his big thing was he wanted to institute a three to five year thing of winning a World Series, right? So, and the plan for that was for him to 
spend money, but also build the farm system. And to this point, it hasn't been it hasn't been fruitful. And that's because there's been a lack of awareness when it comes to what is in the farm system, as well as the self-scouting that I think has been lacking. And what I mean by that is you can't spend and have this top-heavy roster where, you know, you have Scherzer, Verlander, you know, Lindor making all this money. I'm not like I'm not I'm not castigating them for spending that money, but where the problem lies is trading Pete Crow Armstrong for a half a year of Javi Baez, trading Andy Rodriguez for Joey Lucchese, you know, trading um, Jose Acuna in a deal for Tyler Naquin, you know, like trading, you know, two arms in the deal for Darren Ruff. Like it's just those things add up, and they have a knockdown effect on your farm system. The Mets have also been a team that, for the last 15 years or so, have produced a lot of major league talent. And so they're developing guys, but when you're trading those guys away and they're going on to have have good careers with other teams, that's not benefiting you. And then we were talking about it last night in the Twitter space, but the Mets have also the last few drafts have gone over slot for guys and then have like kind of punted the rest of their draft. So last year in 2022, they selected Brandon Sprout, the pitcher from Florida, who ended up going back to Florida and they didn't sign him. And they took Nick Morabito before him, who has not looked very good in the minors. And he's the guy who you know, you you punted that pick to hope to sign Sprout, and you didn't even sign him. They did the same thing in the Kumar Rocker draft, and uh, they also did it in the Brett Beatty draft with when they selected Matthew Allen. And so, all those things add up. So, if you're going to spend money, that's great, but also you need to be smart and you need to be able to build the farm system instead of just talking about it. So, um, I don't think Billy Epler is going to be the guy that's going to lead the Mets to the promised land. Um, and I think that regardless, this is probably his last year. So well, it'll be really interesting to see at the trade deadline if he can turn those those veterans into into anything if the Mets are out of it. But I'm not really holding my breath. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's how it looks. I mean, and, you know, not to say there aren't some interesting guys in the farm right now. I mentioned Lavender as a bullpen guy. You still have... Uh, uh, Christian Scott is looking pretty good right now. He just got to double A, and he's been had a very successful year so far. He was a fifth round draft pick in twenty twenty one. We've Jeff all heard Williams. of Mike, Jeff Williams. Yeah, uh, 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 I said Jeff. Uh, Jet Williams. Mike Vassell is in triple A now, and he's been really good. Did Don, Dominic Hamill still in in double A? I think, or did he get moved to triple A recently too? Either way, I'm they're both sure. like. They're, either way, they're both like pretty. I think high upside guy. I think Vassal's been looking better and better. And Hamill pitched in the World Baseball Classic. He's he's thought of pretty highly and he's done pretty well. You know, I mean, when you look back at the Mets um, in their history, Jacob Degrom wasn't someone who was highly touted, and he wound up being the best guy of all. Uh, Syndergaard was kind of a, a a late bloomer, but. He was he was being looked at for a while though, uh, but he wasn't as highly regarded as like a Wheeler and a Harvey. But there's Seth guys Lugo. out there. Seth Lugo. You look at Seth Lugo. He was a late round pick. Even um, uh, uh, who recently was I was I thinking of that the Mets drafted late? I know Josh Walker was like a late pick. He's not like a we the Mets. I mean, you don't know what the Mets have with him at this point. But the Mets have done well in those later rounds. We were, I mean, last night in the in the Twitter space, we were talking about the 2011 draft and how many guys ended up on the Mets. But there was a lot of guys from that draft that the Mets 
drafted that ended up making the major leagues. So, um, but yeah, uh, I don't know where I was going with that point, but well, the, I agree yeah, they've had a they've they I think what you were saying is their their drafting and their minor league system, which seems to always be ranked in the mid to bottom of the league, still regularly turns out major leaguers. There's just maybe not as many super high upside guys because you you look at prospect rankings and it's always so interesting to me because someone like um vassal and um or even like someone like jet williams will be ranked higher in the farm system than mauricio who's pounding the crap out of the ball right now and is looking like he belongs in the majors strictly because he looks like he might have more higher upside three years from now you know so uh, so there's not a lot of those guys usually it's usually guys who are maybe like kind of late bloomers who turn out to be major leaguers like someone like jeff mcneil who no one no one thought anything of i didn't hear about him until he was promoted uh same with like a like a justin turner i mean it's like a 10 year old example but that's how these things have generally happened with the Mets. But no matter what, you get your Alonzos, you get your Nimmo. I mean, Nimmo's a first-round pick. But, you know, it, it's definitely they're, – they're better than they're given credit for. And there's I definitely have confidence that even if it doesn't ha- hasn't paid immediate dividends yet, it takes a while to build up the type of farm that the Dodgers – and really the Braves, too, have been able to produce. The Braves also cheated very hardcore uh, um, like five years ago to create their current core. So that that's something that can't be ignored. But Yeah, I remember I remember when that happened. They got like penalized. Yeah, their, yeah. their GM was banned for life. Yeah, that's so crazy. Um, yeah, the only thing with Mauricio, I just will add, is that I think he's nursing. A, I think he's nursing a, a bad ankle right now. So yes, I don't know if we're going to see him. He, he came back today and he's already hit. Two home runs, I think, today, or just one. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But um, you know, yeah, I mean, I mean, the Mets have done a good job of drafting, and but I, I, w- I mean, listen, it's not going to happen because Steve Cohen's the owner of the team, and he won't probably let it happen. But if it was up to me, I would just completely tear the Mets down and just go through a full rebuild again. I, I would. That was kind of like w- like what I wanted the Mets to do from a, from an outside perspective at the end of twenty twenty one. Um, or like maybe it was at the end of 2020 when Steve Cohen took over. I was just like the Mets should just rebuild from the start. It's not going to happen, but yeah, you know, like you said, maybe they'll retool. Yeah, um, 2020 would have been the year you could have sold uh, Dominic Smith at an all-time high value. You could have sold Peterson. David Peterson. Um, uh, I mean, you you keep Alonzo Conforto. But, I guess Conforto. Maybe. Yes, there it is. Conforto is who I was trying to think of. But yeah. Anyway, we'll see what happens this weekend. Alex, why don't we call back to something old? Let's just let's let's uh let's think of a legend, you know? We don't have to guess it, but just, you know, who's the first Mets legend that that comes to your mind today? Oh boy. Um there were some guys who I had on the docket uh, a few episodes ago. Uh, uh getting Do you have someone that you could come up with first? <laughs> I this caught me off guard here. No, I'm, I'm all I can Sorry, think of. I didn't tell Alex. I didn't tell Alex. This was this was completely on the spot. Yeah, sure. I could always rattle off a men's legend. I, I love it. Um, give me a year, and I'll, and I'll and I'll tell you someone. Uh, give me for some reason 2008's in my head. Oh eight. All right. Um, I'm gonna try to think of like someone that we've not done before. Oh uh, eight. The first guy that came to my mind was Luis Ayala. I, yeah, he was, Luis he, Ayala. They got yeah. him. They got him. 
mid-year. I think that was 08. I hope that wasn't 07. I think it was 08, though. They got him, and he just was not very – he was just not good. He was not the kind of arm they needed uh, that year. But 07 and 08 were just – the second halves were just horrible. For some reason, Colin Cowgill is the only person I could think of. Oh, he's a great one. Yeah. Grand, grand slam on opening day off of future Mets legend Brad Brock. <laughs> That's insane. I, I just New Jersey the name. native, too. New Jersey native. Colin Cowgill. Come on. doesn't get any more legendary than that. Oh, I meant Brad Brock was the New Jersey native. I'm sorry. Oh, well, it doesn't get any more. Fan. Also, doesn't get more legends. There's so many legends. It's just layered legends. It's funny in the Twitter space, uh, we had we had one of our listeners ask like what a, what like the whole thing behind Mets Legends was, and I just said that it's one of those things where you kind of just know when you see the player, you know, or like like yeah, it's like everyone knows like the Jed Lowry's of the world, or like you know, on our Instagram we have the the Robert Gazelman playing for the Yokohama Bay Stars hitting a double and. Uh, Dom, our, our our Instagram guy and graphic de- designer guy and also friend, uh, put Ro- Mets legend Robert Gazelman tearing the cover off the ball in Japan or whatever. And people were like, but legend? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's just one of those things. It's like, it's tongue in cheek. So, but it could be whatever you want, right? Like, it, Wilmer Flores is a Mets legend to me, even though he has a lot of key moments as a Met. But then also, like, Gary Sanchez is now a Mets legend because he played, like, two games for them. So. Right. He's a good – he's going to be such a great anecdote in, like, three years. Uh, why, did yeah, they, cu- why did they cut him, dude? I'm so mad. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this in the last episode, too. He, they really pro- – like, I mean, I, I, I definitely vouch for, you know, not not wanting him because I thought it, it – it, but honestly, all of that – all of that – Rhetoric was the fault of of losers like Dacomo, um, who have to stoke this flame of speculation that they're going to demote Alvarez in favor of Sanchez and 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 Nito, which pissed off everyone. Even though I don't think that was really ever an option. Maybe they discussed it once internally because you have to have these conversations. But I really once he, by that point he had hit his stride. He wasn't going to get demoted, but because of that. People like us and others were, were freaking out. And, and once again, I thought he looked awful behind the plate. And I did not want him as the backup catcher. Uh, but once Narvaez came back, Sanchez would have been a great everyday DH uh, or most days DH who could also serve as the emergency third string catcher in case you decide to switch out Narvaez or Alvarez at some point to get a you know, a platoon advantage or something, you know, and he, that would have been very valuable because he's hitting bombs for the Padres right now. And it's insane. It sucks. But I guess he's always had that in him. Um, yeah. I just hate to see what that, that happen when the Mets have a guy that they release that ends up being good immediately, but it also could be a New York thing too. Because Maybe. look, and he's at, playing in cushy San Diego. Yeah, because these things happen in with the Yankees too. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Hicks, Hicks. Is, a, <laughs> is looking great for the Orioles right now. And uh, in last year too, when they decided to kick out uh, Gallo, he, he did pretty decent for the Dodgers. Yeah, that's true. But uh, by the way, anyway. Colin Cowgill, first base coach for the Reds right now. The resurgent Is he Reds. Really? Yeah. Whoa. He. Wow. Who would have thought Colin Calgill would have a connection with Ellie Dela Cruz? Oh, that's so cool. The Reds are <laughs> like honestly, they're. I would play they're some fun, bets. Dude. They're, I would I'm, play I'm some bets on them base. to win the Central right now because they're looking really good. They're on a hot streak right now. They're they're 
it's it's insane how many effective uh, rookies they have on the roster right it's now. It's awesome. Ellie Dela Cruz, Matt McLean, Spencer Steer, and it's funny. It's like Jonathan Indy. I don't even think he's really done a whole lot, you know. So and he's and been they solid also have, too. Uh, Oh, has uh, he? Senzel, I mean, he's been solid. He, I don't think he's he looks as great as you know, these other guys who they have up. Who like Incarnacio Strand is killing it in the minors too. He's probably the next guy. You have too many of these guys. They could flip a Senzel, an India. Uh, I think whomever. India's on the block. India, yeah, and you know what? They should probably look for starting pitching, and they should they should talk to the Marlins who all, who who love second basemen. They have like ten of them, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're right, man. Anyway. Anyway. Thank, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. LFGM. LFGM. Thank you.